0: Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come this morning and we glory in you, O Lord. We glory in the giving of your Son, Jesus Christ, the one who is our life, the one who is our hope, the one who is our joy, the one who is our treasure, the one who is our Savior, the one who has borne all of our sin and shame and debt upon debt upon himself. And we thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving us. People who are unworthy of salvation, yet you who so kindly and graciously. Pursued us even as we did not pursue you. Thank you for your mercy, O oh Lord. Thank you for the mercy that each of us, even now, are taking part in. That with every breath that we have, every moment, minute by minute, hour by hour, we recognize that's from you. And it is a mercy whether we're living in days of COVID-19 or not. And so may, may, may we glory in your mercy and worship you, Lord. And Father, we pray that you'd help us as we turn to your word, help us to have a hunger for every word that proceeds from your mouth. And we see your word as that. We recognize that every word in your word is God-breathed, inspired by you, the living God. And so it bears ultimate authority and weight and meaning over our lives. And so may we come under your word this morning. May you bless this time. May you help us, Father, to come under your word and give me grace. As I recognize, you know, who is sufficient for these things. It is only by your grace and for your glory and by your spirit that any of us can come and preach such glories and such truths from your word. And so help me, Lord, we pray. We thank you, Father, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we continue our journey through the Gospel of John. And so if you have been here over these last, well, I guess now a few months, uh, but over these last two weeks specifically, we have been uh, taking in and seeking to receive all that we have seen uh, there in John chapter 4 in this, with this conversation between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And as we've walked through these verses, you know, I hope that you also have been seeing just how deep indeed is the Father's love for us, how deep, you know, Christ's love is for us. And we see that, and we have seen that again and again with this conversation between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And so Jesus he comes and he spoke to this lone woman, an outcast as a Samaritan, and even an outcast among the Samaritans. Now the conversation is over, and we come here then to our next passage in the Gospel of John to see what happens next. And so today, you know, Jesus, he makes plain he has a mission that is greater than then food or drink, and his face is set like flint upon that mission. And so, like Jesus, at least in the way that he also has given us a mission, the Great Commission, so also must we seek seek to set our faces like flint towards this mission as well. And so we see then... Here in our passage this morning, Christ's mission and our mission. And so to see this, please turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 4. And I will be reading there from verse 27 through verse 42. So may God give us grace to hear and receive and see all of His merciful words. Just then, his disciples came back, and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? And so the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And so the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not? Say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. And so when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed Because of his word. And they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Amen. This passage, it begins quite naturally, as you know, with the other ones, Left off. And so Jesus, he came to, as we look at chapter 4 and even the beginnings of chapter 4, we see that Jesus, he came to Jacob's well for a drink and he met this Samaritan woman. And so ensues uh, this conversation with a woman that would have been uh, considered inappropriate. And suspicious in Jesus' day. So, kind of questions surround this conversation. Uh, So, even as the disciples, they're coming back from having gotten food. uh, Questions surround, why in the world is Jesus talking to this woman alone? And so, questions like, was he flirting with her? You know, was he looking for a wife? You know, that that actually has happened before. You know, this would not be the first time in Scripture that we see someone find a wife at a well. So there is precedence, even in the Samaritan woman's mind, for someone like this. So could he be doing the same thing? But we know that, of course, Jesus was not. Jesus was pursuing after. This woman, not romantically, but because he loves her and he wants her to come to him. And so he goes on to show her the depth of the fact that, yes, she's an outcast, but more than that, she is separated from God. And the depth of her sin and the depth of her need in light of her sin of Jesus And so Jesus, he sets before this woman living water and true worship through Christ, through himself. But now the conversation is over. And Jesus, his disciples, they had gone into the city to go buy food. And they now return to find Jesus here with this woman. And so what follows here is that we are given a glimpse of, into various pieces of Jesus' outreach plan or His mission. So, you know, many churches, they have an outreach plan or a plan for how they will reach the lost with with the gospel. Um, You know, here at Haven, uh, we also have an outreach plan and our plan, in part, is inherently built into our vision. And that this gospel would go out locally, uh, regionally, nationally, and to all the nations. Now, if you were here at Haven right now, um, as you would walk into our sanctuary, you would see our vision above the door. It's posted there, and it's also on the first page of our website, so you can see it there, and as we... Uh, have our membership class uh, for new members here. We discuss our vision as well. And our vision is this. We exist to glorify God through Jesus Christ and are empowered by the Holy Spirit to make disciples of all nations. And that's our vision. And although there is, of course, more that we could say regarding that, the thrust is borne out in that statement. Well, here we see Jesus, he provides for us his heart for reaching the lost. We see his mission. And so as we kind of progress through these verses, the structure of these verses um, makes this really clear. And so the primary point is not actually in verses 27 through 30, the kind of the opening verses, nor is it in the latter verses there in verses 39. Through 42. But the primary point is given in verses 31 through 38. So the middle section tells us what Jesus is talking about here. And so the disciples, they return, and as they see Jesus with this woman, they marvel at this. I mean, they are astonished and perhaps even like a bit shocked and taken aback. Why, why is Jesus talking? to a woman, and talking to a woman alone. And so, they would have marveled at this, and he wasn't just talking to any woman, though. So you add another layer on top of the fact that, yes, it was a woman, and in that day, that was a big deal for a man to be talking alone with a woman, or even talking publicly with a woman. But this woman, particularly, was also a Samaritan woman. A woman who was an outcast among the Jews. And he is talking with her. So, a general saying among men during their day was this in respect to women. A man shall not be alone with a woman in an inn. Not even with his sister or his daughter on account of what men may think. A man shall not talk with a woman in the street. Not even with his own wife. And especially not another woman on account of what men may say. And yet, men would not even talk with their own wives on the street. And Jesus is talking to this woman. (laughs) So here, Jesus, and you add even another layer on top of that, he is a rabbi or a teacher. And as this being the case, the level of respect and the level of authority that He comes and bears and all these things and even how people see Him, uh, at least in the, their eyes, matters all the more. And so here is Jesus as the rabbi or teacher talking with a woman. So you could very well hear in the background, you know, as it says, they marveled at this. You could hear, you know, unheard of, you know, scandalous, How inappropriate! But we look at this and knowing Jesus and seeing the Gospels and seeing His life and everything else and what He's doing here, we don't say unheard of, scandalous, inappropriate. We say, how right. We praise the Lord. He would reach out to people such as these because we are people such as these. And so we see then various pieces here of Jesus' mission. And so first of these is Jesus' open, armed, and ready witness. So he was not, Jesus was not functioning with the priority being, okay, go out and teach, but as you do, be careful and be aware of social norms that's not what he was doing he wasn't he wasn't going out and thinking all right i need to be careful because i don't well, i want to be careful what people think about me i don't you know i'm a little afraid of others and so i want to be careful they don't think certain things about me he's not doing that and he's Not living according to what men may say. Which is exactly the opposite of what they said there in their day. And so Jesus, he came to save. And that would be what he would do. He has a mission to come and save sinners. His longing and desire is to do and complete this mission to save you and me. Those who are severed and separated from God, that we may know God the Father through Jesus Christ. So Jesus, he did not see a woman, especially this Samaritan woman, as despicable and unworthy of public conversation, but he saw a woman that he had made. Colossians 1 15 through 17 the one that He has loved and He is coming for. Jesus is in the business of taking worldly outcasts and bringing them to Himself and sending them out for His glory. So He is open-armed, He is merciful, He is compassionate, He is gracious, and He is ready to save. Even you right now his arms are open wide for sinners. And Jesus, his arms were open wide and he was also on the ready. So, in John 4, 4, we'll remember that it said there, he had to pass through Samaria. And the woman And all these things were not just coincidence. This was part of his mission. And so the woman came to the well and he asks her for water. But he doesn't think like we might tend to do today. Right? You know, hey, uh, she might need the gospel. She might need me. But I am thirsty and the gospel can wait. (laughs) I mean, if we're honest... Those are the kind of things that we're doing when we're going about our day or going out in the world. From beginning to end, Jesus is on the ready. He's always ready with the gospel. And his intent is always there upon drawing her in. He wants her to come to him. And so everyone in the category of anyone, Jesus welcomes and pursues. And we need that to be our thinking as well. Anyone are those that we are after. So like Jesus, we are to be on the ready to share Christ. We are to be on the ready to share Christ. So our our vision here at Haven, our Vision 2020, um, we prayerfully kind of move this direction. Uh, prior to COVID-19, prior to all these things and social distancing. um, And so we set this vision before Haven. And this vision really is not original to us. Other churches have done it. But each of us here at Haven are seeking to take it up. So what is the vision? (laughs) It's simple. Just reach one person for Christ. Just one only one person for the sake of the gospel. Now, did you notice that Jesus has in view just one in John chapter 4? This lone woman, there is no one else around. He's not speaking to her out of any compulsion like his disciples are looking in. There aren't camera's there and so that he can say hey look how great of an evangelist i am now that the camera's on me he's not doing that that's not what he's about he doesn't take a picture with the woman by the well and post it on instagram and see, say like something like so i witnessed this woman today jesus seeks after her for her this one matters To Jesus, this lone woman. So, who is your one? Only one. Like Jesus, are you a ready witness? Oh, but, you know, I'm far too thirsty for a gospel conversation right now. Maybe later I can get to it. Oh, I didn't go to the restaurant to tell anybody about the gospel, I came here to spend time with my family. So that's a secondary thing. And if I get to it, maybe, but I'm really here to eat with my friends and family, and that's it. Oh, well, I didn't go to the doctor so I could tell anyone about Christ. I wanted to get well, and you know, I don't know about anybody else, but that's why I'm here. You know, even though, kind of say that, comically, you know, I think this is the mindset we can have and the ways we sometimes get by years and years and years and years without sharing the gospel with even one person. This one lone woman that Jesus seeks after. Did she really matter that much? Well, Jesus shows that she does. Just one. And this one lone woman would be the agent of the whole town coming to Jesus. Like Philip in chapter 1 when he told Nathaniel, Hey, Nathaniel, come and see. She tells the town, Come see a man who told me all that I did. I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And then it says, they went out of the town and were coming to him. Incredible. So you see her zeal. She has just met Jesus and she is astonished, amazed, in wonder. You see her longing. You see her fervor to tell others that comes Immediately. She even leaves her water jar. You know, various ways we may think of that. But nonetheless, she leaves it there. She does not take it with her. She goes and tells the town this man that she has met. And these many come. And she tells them, I have met a man unlike any other. Never underestimate the power of one or sharing the gospel with only one. What great things God has done with only one. Another piece to Jesus' mission was Jesus' greater hunger. So like Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman Jesus' disciples also don't get what Jesus is saying here. So if you've kind of tracked along the way, there's this continual kind of lack of understanding every time that Jesus talks to people. They're like, what are you talking about here? I mean, I don't get it. And just really there, as we go to uh, John 3, that points to and emphasizes there must be born from above. There is a, a blindness, a lack of seeing. And then, by God's grace, they get it. But we see it first with Nicodemus. What do you mean I must be born again? I mean, How does that work? You know, being born, I'm already born in this world, so how do you do that? And then with the woman as well? You know, I want, I want some of this living water so I won't have to come to this well all the time in the heat. And then we also see it here with the disciples. You know, what does he mean he has food to eat that we don't know about? I mean, did someone get him food? You, know, so you see that they don't even get it and he has to dive in more. And this is not a shame to them. This would be us too. <laughs> no. So he is, Jesus has a food that is greater than the food you're talking about, disciples. So in the wilderness, in the Old Testament, God, He tested Israel, you know, seeking to humble them and show them their need for a greater food. You could think of the manna in the wilderness, but that was not the point. Deuteronomy eight, three, it says, and He humbled you, and let your hunger, and, uh, and let you hunger, and fed you with manna. Which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So as Jesus is presenting this and saying these things, all these truths, Deuteronomy 8.3, are in the background. Here is the one. Every word it proceeds from his mouth is the word of God. And then similar to that, Jeremiah, the prophet, he says in Jeremiah 15, 16, he says, Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. So even though... Jesus was certainly physically hungry here. And his body still yearned and thirsted for water because, as far as we know, he has not gotten it yet. Even as he asked her for water, Jesus, he has a greater hunger. He has a greater thirst. He has a greater zeal, a greater longing than those things. He has a longing that God's will would be done that his mission would be accomplished. And so he says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So he lives according to the will of his Father in all that he does. It is his aim to accomplish this mission he's been given and for which he came. How odd would it be for him to pause and say, Well, no, I'm thirsty. You give me that water first. He had a hunger that was far surpassing of food or water. He had a mission to accomplish. And his desire to accomplish it was more than his own personal, momentary, physical comfort. He will not... Be distracted from his mission even with physical things what lessons are here for us likewise we are to live according to that greater hunger hunger that is gladdened and satisfied in doing the will of our father and his will is not some, you know, mystical, Gnostic kind of thing that must you must go to heaven to find out. But God has given us his word, which is sufficient for all of life and godliness. So his word and his mission, it beckons your mouth, it beckons your hands, it beckons your feet, and it is to encompass all. All that we are, it's not just for evangelists, it's not just for pastors, it's not just for missionaries. It is for every single believer. Such that we would say, Oh, I am far too thirsty and hungry for the will of the Father that nothing would keep me from telling others about Jesus. how many men and women of God have gone before us who have made this mission central. Jim Elliot, he was a missionary in Ecuador in the 1950s and he gave his life on the mission field prior to, as far as I know, I mean he led other people to Christ prior to that time on the field. But as far as I know, not even one person came to faith prior to his death, at least the people they were trying to reach. But his life and the life of his friends that died there would not be in vain. Being killed by this tribe that was known for being violent, they went to them and kept going to them, trying to reach them for Christ. And the gospel did go out. Elliot was killed and his friends were killed but even the very man who ended Elliot's life would come to faith in Christ and many of the people of that tribe came to faith in Christ how right Elliot's words are he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose So like Jesus, keep your eyes on the mission. Keep your eyes on the mission. So nothing would distract Jesus from his this mission. Yet, so often, we get distracted. You know, I get distracted. You know, we are like collectors, except we don't. You know, collect coins and uh, like sports memorabilia. You know, stamps, comic books, or whatever you may collect. But we collect, you know, excuses for not sharing the gospel. And whenever we are challenged, and we know that perhaps we should share the gospel, we bring out that collection that we have uh, kind of collected for ourselves. And invariably, those excuses they do their job, and we don't share the gospel once again. But what if we gave ourselves no excuse? What if for every excuse that we have, we gave a reason instead that we must press on with this mission? What if we said, it's the mission Christ has given me. It's the great commission. And this is my mission, regardless of what my job is, regardless of where I live, regardless of my wealth or my status in the world this is my mission I am a servant of Christ everywhere I go that doesn't change whether I'm at work or at home or wherever I am I am a servant of Christ and as a servant of Christ this is my mission I will not be distracted from it I will follow the Savior I will be on the ready I will be like Christ and open my arms towards others like he did for me what if we did that? Let's say, you know, a man, he went to the store and he went to go and buy food for his family. So on his way home, you know, to go and, of course, which is right, going to bring the food home to his family and his family. The man, he comes across a surprising and scary sight. So a a building has just caught on fire. But there's still time. So the people inside, they are unaware of this fire. And so they go about their business kind of you know, doing what they normally do, doing what they're doing at that moment, making dinner, you know, playing games, watching TV, reading a book, whatever they're doing. Now some of them, you know, they see the smoke and they see it and they're like, well, you know, it's probably fine. Uh, you know, it's probably somebody doing something out there. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Now the man, he sees this from the outside. And what should be his response? Well, you would say, oh well, that, that fire is not really all that bad. I mean, I'll just wait a little bit longer and see if it gets really bad. That could be one. Or, you know, he could say, oh, you know, sure, it, it, it sure seems like a, a lot of work to go and warn all those people and to call the fire department. I mean, you know, I think I'll just go home and I'll just feed my family. And, you know, that way my day is not interrupted and I can just keep doing what I'm doing. Or maybe he says, you know, I wonder, you know, if I go and warn these people, I'm kind of concerned about what they think. You know, what if they don't believe me and, and they even, you know, yell at me or call me names? Now, I know all those are ridiculous in this situation just to consider it that way, but what is his right response here? Well, it is the urgent thrusting aside of all of his food and doing all he can to save as many people as he can. He has no more urgent mission at that moment, and he must get to the work. We have people all around us at this very hour that are in that building and the flame is reaching up ever towards them while they go about their business and they are sure to be consumed by it. What then is our only right response here? Well, it is the urgent thrusting aside of all of our excuses and going about on our urgent mission. Like Jesus, we are to keep our eyes on the mission everywhere we go. And you know, you may be hearing all this and saying, oh, you're just trying to guilt, guilt me into evangelism. That's what you're doing. Well, friends, this is not about guilt. This is about the seriousness of the task. This is about the urgency of this gospel. This is of uh, respect to the fact that if you know Christ, you yourself have tasted this grace because someone came and reached out to you with this gospel. This is based on the fact that we have a commission from our king and we are called to go and take it out. So, if, if it causes guilt, if it causes like conviction, well, maybe you should consider whether that's the conviction of the Spirit of God saying, Brother, sister, let's get to the mission. A third piece of Jesus' mission is sow and reap. Sow and reap. So, Jesus, he goes on here to give an illustration. Of harvest, and of sowing and reaping. And so he points out how they must wait for the harvest, you know, naturally, physically, so an actual harvest, but not so for the kingdom of God. The fields are even now white for harvest. So what does Jesus mean by that, by white for harvest? Well, there are two kind of ways that he's using that. The first is the top of grain, when it would turn white, um, that would show that, you know it's time to harvest the grain. That's kind of the practical implication of this. But there's also a second. So remember, in verse 30, they went out of the town and they were coming to him. So those Samaritans, who, the woman, Told were coming. And the Samaritans, they were likely wearing white robes and were at that very moment approaching Jesus. And so he is saying, literally, Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Well, right now, there are fields to be harvested. Right now, there are wages and fruit being given for eternal life. Sower and reaper are essential to the harvest. The sower sowing the seeds of the gospel, and the reaper taking them in. Both are necessary. And Jesus says to his disciples here, I sent you. And we could take that in for ourselves, because he indeed is sending us as well. Great commission. I sent you, referring to his disciples, to join in this labor that was begun with the prophets and likely John the Baptist and his disciples. Now you are taking up this labor and you go. And notice how quickly and urgently they are to get to the matter. Get to this harvest. What word is used there in verse 36? Already. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and and gathering fruit for eternal life. So the reaper is not to wait, but to go and to harvest the crop. So also, all of us, every one of us, regardless of age, are to get to the work. We have our commission, and our commission is great. There are people waiting for you to simply come and tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. There are many who will certainly respond to this gospel. And our mission and our privilege is to go and proclaim it. They will respond. And this leads us then to the last verses here and the proof of what Jesus is saying. The harvest comes. The harvest comes, and so this one woman would go and tell the many, and it says, many Samaritans believed in him because of the woman's testimony. But that is not all. Many more believed as well. And they would hear from Jesus himself, and even many more would believe They saw for themselves that He was indeed what she said. He was indeed the Savior of the world, the Christ. The harvest was great. And friends, know this also. Many more will believe. Many more will believe. The harvest is still white. Friends, there are many who are out there who will surely be reaped if we would only go and sow the seed of the gospel. Some of you may sow, others of you may reap, but not doing either is not an option for any of us. And so we have great reason and a great many of them to get to this work. And so let us, let us undertake this work as Christ's witnesses and as those who are empowered by the Spirit of God. And we don't go at this task alone. God is with us. And He has given us each other as well, the body of Christ. But you may be here. And you may be you know, hearing all this and you might be saying to yourself, you know, well, what about me? You know, I don't know Christ. But I want to. What, what should I do? Well, the simple answer is the same one that we've seen here. Many Samaritans from the town believed in Him. And many more believed because of His Word. And so believe. Believe in this sinless, perfect Savior and admit you are none of those things. You are not Sinless, You're not perfect. You're not the Savior. You are a sinner through and through and desperately in need of Christ. And this entails then turning from the pigsty of your sin and turning to Christ who is the treasure of treasures. The one who came to bear the full weight of your sin upon Himself. It is... Holy, trusting in Jesus as your lone Savior and treasure. That is what belief is. Believe that His death, burial, and resurrection is sufficient to save you wholly and completely, that all your debts and all your sins may be nailed to the cross, that He came to bear the wrath of God in your place, because God is holy and you are not holy. And you have severed the relationship between you and God by your sin. And he came to bridge the gap and say, I have come in your place to be the substitute, to bear all that wrath upon myself, all that punishment upon myself in your place. See how great the Father's love is for us, is for you. And so believe in this gospel and he will save you. Believe. That is what you are to do. To turn to Christ. Trust in him. And turn from sin and self. And you'll be his. It is my prayer that you would believe. And know this life in him evermore. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for our Savior. Thank you for Jesus who would come open-armed to save us. Thank you for the one who came and died for our sins, who bore the weight of all of our sin upon himself, that we may be made child, children of God. Thank you for this Savior. Thank you for this gospel. And may you help us, Father, as we take in all the words that we have uh, from your word, that we we would take it into our hearts. If it means repenting, if it means confessing of sin, if it means uh, falling to our knees and just running to you and asking for your grace, that we would uh, be about your mission, be about this great commission. May you help us, Father, to do just that. And if it's someone here who um, doesn't know Christ, that they would even now see their deep need for Christ. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so, faith in him. And so we pray that you would help them to trust and turn to him, and that would be their response or your response for those who are listening. So, Father, do your work. We thank you. We ask that we would hear you. And if it means anyone needs to respond in the way of obedience to something else, may they do that. Whether it be membership or baptism or whatever, we have all that figured out in respect to um, all these social distancing things, it's right for us to respond, and so may they, may you. So Father, we pray for your hand on us, may your word do its work, and we thank you for your word, and we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen.